I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Starting uh, this Friday at the Redgate Review stage on Granville Island is the latest production from Mitch and Murray Productions, the Canadian premiere of Snowflake by the uh, Olivier Award-winning playwright Mike Bartlett. The play is a story about generational conflict, fathers and daughters, and the politics of today. Bartlett, by the way, among his other works, wrote the uh, British television miniseries uh, Press and the play King Charles III, which uh, was also adapted for television. Uh, Aaron Craven, one of the stars of the production, joins me now to talk about the show that also stars Natasha Burnett and Annie Ramsey. I'll ask him about the show and about playing the role of the father and the exploration of that relationship that fathers have with daughters. Aaron is also the artistic director of Mitch and Murray, and I'll ask him about Acting Atypical, a workshop they run for teens and adults on the autism spectrum, as well as the company's Young Actors Scholarship. I'll also ask him about what it's like to be back. We uh, taped this interview last month just as the company was starting rehearsals, so I'll get him to reflect on the experience of theater in a pandemic, too. This uh, production is directed by Jennifer Copping and will run until the 23rd of December. Visit MitchAndMurrayProductions.com for tickets. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Aaron Craven. Mr. Craven, good morning. Good morning, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, Mike Bartlett, um, when I fir- first saw the, the thing about Snowflake, I didn't know who he was, and I looked at l- looked up his bio, and he's written a couple things that I quite like, uh, King Charles III and the, uh, the miniseries Press. Uh, which I quite enjoyed. Um, King King Charles III is written in, um, I think it's written in iambic pentameter. Snowflake isn't, right? Uh, no, no, no. Snowflake is a very modern. Uh, it was just written a couple of years ago. Uh, and, it, yeah, it's an extremely modern play. It's kind of like, uh, I sort of think of Mike Bartlett as kind of like an updated British mammoth. You know, mm. he writes uh, the sort of very cutting uh, concise dialogue, um, kind of fearless in the way he tackles social issues and, and makes his characters really flawed and nuanced. And, and yeah, he's just a fantastic playwright. So Snowflake funny as well? Uh, yeah, it's got a ton of uh, humor in it uh, and a lot of heart. And it's at the same time really intellectually dense as well. You know, it's, it's about uh, estrangement within a family, uh, a father and a daughter that are estranged from each other. And that sort of... Um, advent story of like coming back for christmas and trying to heal the rift um and it's it's centered around a political divide as well as uh, a familial divide um he's a widow and we don't know quite why the daughter's left if it was something to do with the fallout from the mother's death but what, what we come to learn without really giving away the yeah. spoilers is that uh the father voted for brexit i see <laughs> okay, so so it's um, so it's obviously a modern uh, a play, um, and um, y- y- you're obviously playing the dad. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's he like other than say voting for Brexit? Well, what is it like to inhabit a character like this? And well, what's interesting about the character is you know we kind of in these times where it's kind of like the the, the hashtag OK Boomer, you know, and yeah. that that, yeah. that generational divide between millennials, Gen Zs, and, and and Boomers. What's interesting about this play is this guy's not actually that old. He's a mm. Gen Xer. He's, he's my age. He's in his mid to late forties, and you wouldn't uh, overall categorize him as like a staunch right winger. He kind of reads almost more as like a small C conservative or like a centrist. Sure. Yet there's still this big divide, and and that kind of speaks to kind of where we're at socially and politically. In that, you know, you, I, I find that even sometimes on the left, 
infighting and a yeah. lot of divides over issues which shouldn't create that big a gap, but yet they do. So we're kind of, you know, we're, we're creating these chasms between each other, even, you know, when it's not so extreme as like far left and far right. Um, he, he's a guy who's a, he's a Gen Xer. He's definitely a little dated in his views and, and a little stuck in the 90s through his pop culture references that he throws out. Um, but, he, you know, by no means could you, could you paint him a, a, a bigot or um, as a purely intolerant person. He's just probably stuck uh, with some views that, you know, are a decade or two out of date. And yeah. that's the divide between him and his, you know, very progressive daughter. Yeah, it's fascinating to look at the, the relationship as well between fathers and daughters, because that's not mm-hmm. something that uh, we really think about, is it? Well, when we talk about, you know, uh, generational divides and political divisiveness and all, all this kind of stuff. It's it's an it's really interesting how he's written this in the microcosm of a family mm. because it's you know we can talk about how we have arguments on Facebook and 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 maybe you know that carries into the public sphere, but how it actually affects a family. I think that stereotype of well, it's going to be an awkward Thanksgiving dinner. That's what this play really uh, zoned in on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, there, there's uh, three of you in the cast, is that right? That's right, yeah. Uh, I play Andy. Uh, Natasha Burnett plays uh, a character called Natalie, and uh, a wonderful young actor, Annie Ramsey, plays the daughter, Maya. Yeah, and so what kind of discussions have you been having as a cast, especially you and, and the actor that's playing Maya, as to uh, what's in the play? Well, we're going into rehearsals this week, so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, all of the discussions that we're actually having on Monday at our first table read. Um, we've kind of talked about it loosely as a as a cast, but it's going to be really interesting to sort of sit down and, and uh, broach all of these themes and topics in the room. Yeah, especially so in the context of what, what, the time that we're living in. I mean, yeah. that, that must be quite interesting, and not not just where we are politically. Even uh, well, I'm, I, I'm sure this is written in before COVID. Before the pandemic, uh, there's something to mine there, perhaps. Absolutely. I mean, it's. It, I think the original production uh, was in 2019, mm. uh, right before COVID, and then COVID hit. And I feel like these themes have just, you know, COVID has kind of accelerated all these social currents. I feel like, uh, yeah. you know, it would be a fair statement to say that everybody's kind of wound up because we've been sort of living in these silos, right? Like the in-person uh, communication um, has has kind of gone online and, and we've spent more time on our social media platforms, which, you know, of course the science is coming up that these things, that these algorithms are kind of making us a little crazy. So yep. mm-hmm. uh, a play that addresses all this and actually just kind of like makes a family deal with it in person um, and, and doing it as a live theater production. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that families that maybe have a little bit of this dynamic within them will come out and see this show because I think, it's got the potential to be, you know, not just an interesting uh, political piece, but also a little bit of an he- a healing agent for people. Yeah. Now, your director is Jennifer Copping, who uh, right. we're all familiar with, with mm-hmm. from her film and television work. Um, is the work that one does, say, for, for, for the camera, for the screen, um, there is obviously a difference between work that one has to do on stage, but, but um, there, there, is, there are transferable skills, aren't there? Yeah, acting is acting. I think uh, you know if, if something's not kind of organic and truthful on stage, I think that is going to read to an audience, even though the intimacy of the camera is not there. Um, what I've always I've always compared theater to like 
if, if, if uh, performance on screen is, is a straight line, mm-hmm. like the energy is between you and the other actor, uh, a performance in the theater is like a triangle. It's between you, the other actor, and then the third point is the audience who you're sharing that performance with. So by that nature, it's going to be a little bigger and a little bit more maybe physicalized and kinetic, but, you know, the tenets of acting are, are, are pretty much the same, whether you're on a stage or in front of a camera. Truth is truth. Indeed, it must be exciting uh, for for you as a, as a as someone as an actor, someone who works in the arts, to to get back to things, not just working, say, in a rehearsal hall again, but but being on stage with an audience. Oh, it's uh, we're looking so forward to it. I mean, actors right now, whether they're screen actors or theater actors, I mean, the theaters are kind of tentatively starting to to get back to things. A lot of actors probably haven't hit the stage in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the film industry, if you're not actually on a set, uh, we're not actually in audition rooms having that contact. We're, we're, we're doing, you know, audition self-tapes from home or studios. Mm. So we've been in this kind of digital silo-type world artistically for quite some time, and I'm looking so forward to getting back in front of an audience, yeah. Um, I understand there's a program called Acting Atypical. Um, yeah, Yep. And and it's a, it's a workshop for teens and adults on the autism spectrum. Why is it important for for Mitch and Murray Productions to 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 uh, have a program like that? Well, we've uh, we've had a couple of uh, mandates uh, that have to do with accessibility. We we've really tried to open the doors to seniors, uh-huh. especially during COVID. Last year, we we were doing a play called Lungs. We got shut down on our final weekend because the lockdowns came. But uh, we had a seniors-only performance, really small audience of uh, distanced uh, seating, and we're doing that again this year. You know, for older uh, patrons that might be a little bit, you know, tentative coming back to the theater, we're doing a seniors-only matinee. The workshop um, was something that we thought of in terms of accessibility for people on the spectrum. Um, they, you know, the stats are that like one in forty-six people are thought to be on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. and. I wanted to provide uh, a look at acting, like a foundational, just really simple exploration of what acting is for teens and adults on the spectrum. Because, you know, especially for teens, uh, a high school drama class might be intimidating at that age. Um, that ability of their peers to sort of abstract and, uh, and, and, and maybe pick up on social cues a little bit quicker. I, I thought if there's a space where um, uh, kids that are on the spectrum specifically can get into a space uh, with a teacher who's got some experience um, working with neurodiverse people, that it, it provides a platform uh, and an in and a hook for them to actually, you know, scratch that itch if they are actually interested in acting. And I didn't see any program like that anywhere in the lower mainland, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I know that the Canucks Autism Network does great uh, does a great job with some sports mm-hmm. and family events, but I didn't see anything in the arts that, that specifically was tailored toward uh, people on the spectrum. So we wanted to create this new and unique opportunity. And I, I have autism within my family and and so was connected to behavioral consultants, people that can c- come in and work professionally um, with this disability. And I've been an acting coach for 20 years, so we've joined forces to uh, to create this workshop and, and try to break down barriers of access. You bring up such a good point about um, uh, the Canucks Autism Network, you know, involving... Uh, 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 people with autism, and you know, in in sport, uh, how important it is to 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 give all people access to the arts. I, I think it just make, make, makes for a better society when 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 uh, we're exposed to, to art, or especially theater as well. Yeah, and and theaters have been good at um, creating what are called relaxed performances. Mm, it's kind of right. become a trend over the last five to ten years of 
uh, doing at least one performance where, you know, the sensory difficulty that um, a person on the spectrum might have with a performance, gunfire and, 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 you know, like if it's a musical, maybe lots of like flashing lights and things like sure, that. Yeah. Having the house lights at half, maybe turning the volume down on some of the effects and music and whatnot, having that sort of like more sensory uh, friendly environment in the theater. It's a wonderful step towards, uh, you know, creating inclusivity for, for people on the spectrum. And I think people, I think, we're starting to come into consciousness of of neurodiverse people, uh-huh. but I, I still feel like it's a social issue that's kind of lags behind others. You know, like we, we're aware of autism, but a lot of people don't know that much about it, um, and you know, and and the barriers that actually exist. So actually, it becoming a mainstream talking point is, I think, really really important. Yeah, you, you mentioned a moment ago uh, programs for seniors. I understand there's also a, a young actors scholarship. Um, is, is a yeah. marvelous way to, to um, uh, not only uh, diversify uh, p- people's access to the arts and, and, and giving uh, young people especially opportunities in the arts, but I mean, you're also building an audience later on, aren't you? Yeah, it's all kind of holistic. I mean, most, you know, a lot of theater companies will create an educational wing um, to to their operations and their seasons, and, and that's what we've done. And because I have an acting class, I, I was sort of invested in um, uh, giving back to younger actors, particularly during COVID, you know, in times when a lot of those survival jobs are have been hard to come by in the last year and a half. Uh, last year we gave out three scholarships to young actors under the age of 25. And, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough time to be a young artist during COVID because mm-hmm. the traditional ways of connecting with the community and learning your craft have been sacrificed have been compromised by all the limitations so i I think the scholarship particularly in the last year became a a really um, important thing that we were offering well what's the pandemic uh, experience been like for you i mean uh, are you like the rest of us watching stuff online watching live streams in the sort i didn't actually ever get into the watching live stream theater um that's just kind of me, I, I always felt like theater's theater and the impact of the in-person, yeah. you know, if I want to watch something on screen, I watch film, I watch television. To me, they're such different mediums. So I never really picked up on the live stream thing. Um, I tried to create a sense of community where we could. You know, we did a, a shortened run of a, of a play before the lockdowns came in last November. And as far as my classes go, I've, I've managed to conduct them at least safely with small groups of people because the whole online class, online streaming thing. I just don't know that performance is something that translates, um, particularly live performance. It, it, it's, yeah, to me, it's just such a different medium. And, and people have talked about, you know, what's the benefit of having a community online or, or studying acting online. And I certainly think it's been a, you know, Zoom has been a, a Band-Aid solution that we've sure. needed. But uh, it, to me, it's no substitute for the in-person experience. Um, the other thing I was wondering about in this age of streaming, I mean, you, you mentioned, um, you, you know, you stream uh, television or film. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who, who is an actor, who works with actors, who teaches acting, um, are, are you able to watch something for, for the the enjoyment that, say, the rest of us might get watching something? Or are, are you always thinking about the work of acting, say? Oh, that's interesting. Um yeah, I mean, I think I think when you are constantly doing it, when you're when you're a seasoned vet that's that's seen all the angles, it's kind of like seeing the wizard behind the curtain, right? You see the mechanics of how it's made, and in a way, I guess you lose a little bit of um, 
that suspension of disbelief or that magic that an audience that maybe isn't savvy to the mechanics is, but at the same time you really appreciate it when a performance is great because you know what, what what went into it. You know what it takes to create that aesthetic and that performance from the actor and the writing. So, yeah, I guess in a way I, I might be a little bit, um, you know, jaded in, in the way that I, I I look at things now after all these years. But, um, you know, when you when you've been a coach and a director and an actor and you've kind of seen all the angles, uh, uh, when something is really good, it, it, it you're so appreciative of it. It's a very pure experience. When did you know that you wanted to do this for for a living, sir? Um, it was de- I was definitely not a, a child actor or somebody who discovered it young. I was in university. I was planning to go to law school actually, and I, I started taking theater classes and just took this slow left turn where I realized that this was my calling and had to tell mom and dad I'm going to be an actor, and that's always a fun conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, started getting to it professionally by about my mid twenties, so I, I definitely had a late start, but I, I wouldn't go back on having an education I, I think for actors you know that talk, sometimes come to me and say you know should I go to university and, and should I take a you know maybe an arts degree that's got some diversity to it I say absolutely you know there's, yeah. there's something about having an education that's uh, broad that feeds you as an artist I really do believe that so uh, even though I had a late start I'm, I'm really grateful for the path that I took early on yeah. Oh, who are the people that you admire in in, in the business that that that, that um, even even in your mid twenties you you um, look to as an example, say even emulated perhaps? Are are there there people not not just uh, locally but but elsewhere? Yeah. Um, there's an actor actually. Uh, he just uh, did a staged. Uh, he performed in a staged reading of a new play that I've written, um, and we did a staged reading of it uh, this summer. His name's Tom Macbeth, and I actually. <laughs> he hears this he'd be really embarrassed probably but i kind of told him that you know you were my guy you were the guy that i that was the local actor that i looked up to coming up he's a wonderful actor that could go toe-to-toe with any actor in the world um so he was definitely uh, a guy who i kind of studied and looked to for inspiration locally and as far as artists um uh, globally uh you know i i was always a fan of uh, the work of david mamet and mm. um as far as actors go I really always loved the character actors that were not sort of the the leads and the and the, and the pretty faces, but the chameleons, the Gary Oldman, Ed Harris, and and uh, actors like that who shapeshift between every role. Those were always the the actors that I that I watched and studied. As someone who who teaches and who coaches, is is that that old adage of uh, from your pupils you are taught? Does that apply to say uh, aspects of of work that you do as well? Yeah, it's definitely a two-way street. I mean, I learn as much from working with actors as I do uh, being on the other side. So it's interesting when you take the hat off. I mean, directing and coaching is more of a, I guess, a left-brained exercise. You know, you have more of an aerial view of it, whereas, you know, when you're acting, you kind of want to throw away that cerebral approach and and put yourself in the hands of the director. So, um, yeah, I definitely think it's interesting having uh, multiple perspectives. Especially to write as well, I find that incredibly fascinating about your work. That that um, that you uh, are able to do all these things. Um, I, I guess in a way you have to, don't you? Yeah, I mean, there's something disempowering about just being a gun for hire, like just being a screen actor, because it's the old saying, feast or famine. You know, you're you're kind of at the whim of the machinery, and sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. So the idea of making a living in the arts, not just being an actor, but 
directing and writing and creating your own content, running a theater company like I do. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very smart for an artist to to um, try to make their way in different disciplines because not only is it going to uh, prop you up financially, but you're going to holistically, I think, become a more educated and uh, a stronger artist. Aaron, I've enjoyed yeah. um, uh, chatting with you today, and I appreciate you taking the time, especially as, as you begin uh, uh, work on, on the production of Snowflake or continue working on the production of Snowflake. Break it like, as I say. Thanks so much, Joseph. I appreciate being on. Mitch and Murray production staging of uh, Mike Bartlett's Snowflake begins this Friday, the 10th of December, and runs until the 23rd at the uh, Red Gate Review Stage on Granville Island. Visit MitchAndMurrayProductions.com for tickets. Aaron Craven, uh, the artistic director of Mitch and Murray, and one of the stars of uh, Snowflake, joined me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.